one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the International Church Podcast. Uh, I'm here today with Tim Faulkner, uh, who is the new uh, secretary, or general secretary, I'm thinking in French, uh, general secretary of the International Baptist Convention. I've been wanting to get him, he, he's been on the show before, and I've been wanting to get him back for a while. In fact, we tried to record about two months ago, uh, and then uh, there was some complications, and then lots of things happened. I, <laughs> Christmas happened, I, my wife and I got COVID, uh, lots of fun things, but during that time, Tim has moved to Germany. Uh, he's in language school. Uh, welcome, Tim, and congratulations on the new role. Thank you, Parker. Yeah, how, is, how have the past few months been for you guys? Are you you're transitioning well? How does that feel? Yeah, we feel well taken care of. We've moved into the parsonage or the general secretary's apartment, and we were able to get our stuff up from Italy before Germany closed things down on December 10th. So that allowed us to set up over the holidays. And yeah, and we started language school three weeks ago. We're, we're pretty excited about learning German. And you want to show off that German a little bit for us? Ich heiße Tim. Ich wohne in Frankfurt am Daxburg. Yeah, that's... That sounded a little Italian-German mix. I don't know. It, it might be. <laughs> it could very well be. Who knows what languages we're speaking anymore? That's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> well, I'm certainly a long way to go. How, how do you feel like uh, you're transitioning to the new role? Is it, is it exciting, comfortable, uh, challenges? I've, it, it's been exciting. I've realized that uh, stepping into a new role, following someone who was here for 18 plus years, yeah. that uh, um, I'm a future focused, let's get going kind of person, but I need to ease in. But because of Corona times, there's not a whole lot of rushing around we can do. We've had to cancel some of our big IBC things this year. And so I feel like the transition is going well. Just very grateful for our IBC family and the people I get to work with. So, um, yeah, very, very happy. Right. So it's, it is a new role. You're, you're coming from spending a long time in Italy, uh, missionary, church planting, uh, and now you're stepping into a role of pastoring pastors. Uh, how do you think God has prepared you for this? It's a unique position uh, uh, to, to step into this. Well, when I, I, I grew up in, in America in churches that had over 150 years of history. And so I had no idea what it was like to plant a church, start a new congregation, all those dynamics that I learned uh, in a different culture. So church planting, all of those things I learned overseas, watching a lot of first generation Christians come to Christ. But in my role as a missionary, it was um, important that it I not only be able to be productive, right, in some ways in my time of ministry, but that I leave the church in a place of long-term sustainability. And so this whole idea of training up people from day one who would take our place right. became a real focus of ours. And we recognized that, uh, you know, as I grew in my own confidence and competency in the ministry, 
everything that I was discovering and saying, wow, okay, I feel a little bit more like I can handle some more things now and, and grow. I have to be able to transmit that onto right. somebody else. And right. so it's really given me a sensitivity um, and yet remembering my roots. And so I, I have a, a sense in which we ought to be calling up a lot of people and keeping them moving forward, helping them to see how they're going to grow and develop. And particularly with our leaders, they need to know that that there is more growth to come. There's there there is more uh, understanding, and and there's someone there to support them, encourage them. Right. So that I guess that that idea of reproducing leaders and 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 leaving things that that had always been something that you had been important to you, and and that now is carrying over to the whole convention is no longer just about sort of one church and making sure that church, but now you have that responsibility for, uh, yeah, for, for kind of the family of churches that we're a part of. Yes. I feel like that's a unique opportunity we have. We, we kind of lament that we pastor parades <laughs> and, uh, we not only pastor parades, but our pastors themselves are very transitional. And so we have 15 churches right now, about a quarter of our churches are looking for their next pastor. So you, you talk about that level of uh, change and, and you wonder, can we ever build something? Can we invest in something with the hope that we're gonna get some return on it in the future? And yet I believe that we can. I think if we can put into our culture a sense of developing others, that we will, we will eventually reap the, the fruit of that, and then we'll be able to bring more stability and sustainability to our churches. And so this whole idea of pastoring pastors for me also leads in that direction. You know, more stability in our leaders means more stability for our churches. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess kind of pursuing that thought a little bit about pastoring pastors. And so you that's your role uh, right now, but sometimes pastors can be a hard bunch to pastor. <laughs> uh, they're, they're used to being pastors. They're used to being shepherds that are watching after sheep, uh, and, and they have that role, and they don't always see themselves as the sheep who need right. to have a pastor looking after them, and sometimes it, there, there can be a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes we're a proud bunch, uh, but do you find that most pastors that you interact with are, are wanting to be pastored and are open to kind of confessing that need? Well, I, I don't know that they confess the need right away, <laughs> but I would say that I perceive the, that they appreciate it. I, I've started just calling every week, calling up some pastors, and I've already been warned, you're going to have a hard time getting into their schedules. They're busy people. They might not have a lot of a time but I'll tell you so far, and maybe it's just because I'm new, but they're, they're, they're happy to, to have someone who calls up and says, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, tell me, tell me something about yourself. Tell me about life right now. Um, I know myself when, when someone asks me, how are you? I'm, I'm used to asking that question. Like you said, I'm used to asking other people that question. Sometimes it can almost be a little bit embarrassing because I feel the attention on myself. And I think there is a pride aspect in that too. But um, th there is a desire we all have for relationship and friendship. And I think our pastors 
in particular, our leaders sometimes can feel like they don't have that in their own churches. Mm -hmm. And so Jackie and I, if we can be that for them in some ways, I think that is a need that they have. Right. I mean, that it can be that kind of complicated relationship because, you, you know, in your church as, as a pastor, you have people that you love. They're your community. They're your family. They're your um, they're your friends. Right. But but there's also a but but you have a specific role in that relationship. Right. You're, you're a pastor. And so that that comes with it. Um, some nuances to to kind of how that relationship goes that may make it difficult to receive pastoring uh in in that relationship do you think that that sort of this outside perspective is sometimes necessary for people who are in that kind of shepherding mode all of the time yeah i i think i think the outside perspective is particularly helpful because if you tell me that your budget's trending in the wrong direction and right. you're wondering whether you're going to have to close your doors in six months, I'm going to take that and say, okay, let's talk about that. But I, I'm not, I don't have a lot of skin in that game for you to say that to your church, to a church person. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's even, a, even to your elder board, it yeah. might be a little too much. Yeah. Or for you to even share your own doubts about yourself. I'm not sure about my fitness and ministry, or I'm struggling a little bit with depression right now, or I'm wondering if, uh, if there's, you know, a, an expiration date on, on my ministry here, to be able to just talk openly about things like that without people jumping to conclusions, thinking you made decisions or whatever, I think a, an outside perspective can be particularly helpful in those instances. Yeah, I know it has been for me. Uh, and at the same time, like just examining kind of how I relate to this, uh, those perspectives are sometimes needed, but I'm not always very conscious at the time that I need it. Like sure. I, you understand what I'm saying? Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of swimming in the sea and doing my best to stay afloat. Uh, but it never occurred to me that someone could throw me a life vest and help me. Uh, yeah. Is there is there dangers of of kind of neglecting this need, uh, and is there any symptoms that maybe even it, it might be a willing thing? I, I'm I'm talking about something I'm unconscious of, but may, maybe I'm just willingly not wanting to get input. Are there any uh, dangers or symptoms that that might reflect these kind of thoughts? Well, I I told you before we jumped on here. I was this morning. It's just uncanny sometimes, you know. But uh, in my Bible reading, I was in Exodus uh, 17 and 18. And you have the, in Exodus 17, Moses has to keep his arms up in order to win the battle with Amalek. And, and God provides Aaron and, and Joshua to, to be there to help him hold up his arms. And so he's had this, this tangible uh, reminder that you can't do this alone. You're too weak. You can't keep your arms up. You need other people. And then the next chapter is about his father-in-law showing up and Moses is out trying to judge every single issue that's happening <laughs> with, with a million people. Or a million right? people in the desert, yeah. <laughs> and his father-in-law says to him in verse 17, the thing you're doing is not good. You're surely going to wear out both yourself and these people who are with you for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. And I think, you know, there's, 
there's something in us, and I, you know, pride, I'm not sure what it is, but we, we, we feel that tremendous weight of responsibility for ourselves, for God's people, for the calling maybe in our lives. Um, and sometimes we're in there and we just think this is just ministry. It's just supposed to be heavy. It's just supposed to be some days it's just slug it out. Let's get through this week. You know, um, there are better days ahead. And, and I think sometimes we do need somebody who can say what you're doing is not good. Because if you wear yourself out, you're going to be no good for yourself or for anybody. And that makes no sense. That's not God's will for your life. Yeah, yeah. And just I can often relate to Moses in that scenario. He's got a million people to take care of. And yeah, I think there's a pride aspect to not asking for help. But I also think there's sort of a a guilt aspect of, um, yeah, I'm helping these people, but I haven't even started to help these people over here. Sure. You feel like, you know, those people also need help. And so the the tasks that you're doing uh, is unending and it's always going to be more than you can actually do. Exactly. I get more suggestions than I know what to do with. I get emails of everybody wanting me to do everything, uh, not just from my church, but outside from outside the church. Absolutely. Right. Right. And there, there's there's more resources being opportunity uh, offered to me than I ever have time to look through. Um, and. And I feel guilty sometimes because it's like, okay, how can I respond to all of this? Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes you need the outside person to come in and say, you can't, <laughs> that's not what you're doing is not good. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that is a, uh, yeah, I can certainly relate to Moses. And I, this one reason why I've been thankful for the IBC. Uh, I have had those outside perspectives and they tend to be very uh, there when I need them. <laughs> you know, because I, I might go for a while without the perception that I'm sinking, then all of a sudden realize, oh, <laughs> I really could use some coaching in this, or I really could use a pick me up. Or, I, I mean, we were, my wife and I were extremely touched with that, not only from the response from my church, but also from IBC pastors and these kind of things when, when Kyra had COVID. Uh, you know, it was just a, we were receiving an overflow of, of support, you know, and that, that was just really touching. And I think, you know, it's a reflection on kind of what the IBC has become in terms of a family. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really encouraging. Now, back to, you know, saying that, back to pastoring pastors. What is, uh, what is the biggest challenge to this task? What need, like if you're pastoring a pastor, how is that different than pastoring a layperson in your church who's a church member? What are, are there unique aspects to that? Yeah, I think pastors are used to thinking that they're the one that's not allowed to say, I need a break, or I'm burning out, or I'm, you know, uh, everyone else can, let's say everyone else can say they need a break, or they're going to resign, or they're going to whatever, but the pastor feels this sense of, I've got to be in there and I've got to hang in there. Um, right. You, they, you just can't say, I'm not going to go to church today. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it's so compelling. It, it's part of our calling and it's what keeps us in there. And so I think for th- this challenge can be the fact of, of saying, but you do need to uh, uh, be attuned to your own needs. You know, it's okay to receive 
care uh, for yourself. It doesn't mean that you are ready to throw in the towel or you need to go, you know, go see a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or something, or, you know, things are really in, in bad shape. It, it just should be something, you know, normative in our lives that we could have people checking in on us and we have a place to go, I think. Right. I see that as my role in, in, in helping to bring the conversation to the table. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we just had that training uh, was yesterday, uh, which is something that uh, other IBC, uh, Daryl, for example, has done it with me, but this idea of the peace index, uh, you know, which was really helpful to, to uh, you know, I, I, we can't go into the whole thing, but it's a, the, the point behind it is helping the person you're talking to examine their peace level. How at peace are you with your life? Right. And, and, and that is, I think that's really key because sometimes you, you're so uh, you're so being Moses and you're thinking about making a million judgments uh, and you haven't actually stopped to ask yourself, are you at peace? Right. Uh, and, and, and that, that kind of, I, I think it's unique for pastors in that kind of way. Um, yeah. So you're well-equipped for the job you're doing. It's, it's one that you feel like God has kind of prepared you for and led you to uh, and one you're embracing. How do you anticipate having joy in the role that you're having, uh, uh, pastoring pastors, new perspective, what are the joys you anticipate and how do you see this in terms of a kind of a full kingdom advancement type of ministry? Yeah. Well, the joy in my job is not going to be the administrative part of it or, you know, those kinds of things. I'm a people person. So just, you know, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these relationships. For me, I have a unique, window into the lives of leaders in a, an association of churches. I come into this role not having been an association guy. Right. I, so I ask a lot of ideological questions. Why do we need an association? Biblically, what role does an association play in the lives of churches? And, and I think that one of the big answers is this one, pastor the pastors. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I find a tremendous amount of energy in that whole idea that I have this little congregation, uh, 120 people, leaders and wives, and guess what? They happen to be the leaders of churches, but it, it scales it down to a, a feasible level for me to say, I'm going to begin to build relationships with this group of people, and I'm going to begin to pour into their lives because I... I think ministry happens exponentially, you know, when we pour into the lives of others and they pour into the lives of others. And so that energizes, energizes me in a tremendous way just when I think of that vision. And the other thing is I just feel like a Barnabas with my personality. And so one of the uh, phrases that's really resonated with me in recent years is that my fruit grows on the trees of others. And I, I, I really love it when I see fruit growing on someone's tree. And I realize that in some way, God used me to, you know, help them maybe find a resource or encourage them when they were down or connect them to somebody else they needed to meet in order for kingdom collaboration to happen. Though that's what really fills my sails. 
And so I just look forward to my interaction with the leaders of the IBC because I know that God goes before me and he prepares those opportunities. Yeah, I would definitely give testimony to that, both kind of in in the past and in the present. Like, you know, I was 35 and naive when I took over as pastor and I, 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 you know, I made a lot of mistakes, but I think, you know, the training, the role, Jimmy's role, and now your role, uh, the training that I received at all of the, all of the conferences, Daryl Evitz and, you know, people like this, uh, Bob Marsh, who who have coached me, the different things I've been allowed to be a part of. There's no doubt I'm a much, much better leader uh, at this point than I was when I started. And probably the biggest factor in that is training that I've gotten from the IBC family. Uh, and, and, and it's not something that I sort of anticipated at, at you know, when I took over mm-hmm. that, that, that I was going to really be a lifeline for me yet. That's what it has turned out to be. Um, and so there is a sense in which, I, I, how did you put it? Uh, your fruit is growing on someone else's tree. Like there, there is a sense in which, you know, Jimmy's and Daryl's and Bob's and your fruit has been growing at Emmanuel International Church in Paris even though you really don't see it, <laughs> you haven't, right. you, you know, and so I think that is um, part of the power of, of, of a family of churches, and then, you know, the, the, the shoes that you're stepping in to fill as well, that you're, you're going to have this, uh, this, I don't know, cultivating <laughs> type, type of ministry that is in the IBC is a global ministry, it's going to have impact all over the world, mm-hmm. yeah, is, is, uh, is there any maybe stories or uh, that we can close on in terms of, you know, um, exciting things that are happening in the convention that you'd want to mention or uh, opportunities that you would want to share with a pastor who might be new and want to know more about how they can uh, get involved? <laughs> well, I think there are a lot of exciting things happening in the convention because the people that you and I get to work with are, servants of Christ and, yeah. and they're committed disciple makers. We, uh, Jackie and I were visiting um, the Martin family. They, they kind of adopted us for Christmas. We couldn't go back to be with our own kids in the States. And they had a German service, the first German service of the Church of Cologne. And David, David Martin's family. David Martin. I got confused. Not, not Jimmy Martin. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, Jimmy David, Martin. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so exciting that night to see David Martin play the guitar. That was his role in that launch of this German congregation. And he, he told me later, these three guys, German guys in his church, who maybe haven't had a lot of responsibility up until now, but now that they're launching a German-speaking congregation, they're right in the front lines. And he was telling me, man, if you knew where these guys were, three, four, five years ago, and to see what they did tonight. It's just awesome. Yeah. You know, those are the kinds of things that are exciting. Um, We have a number of residents right now in our churches Mm -hmm. who are uh, getting a chance to get get their feet wet in ministry in a context where they have a mentor pastor and they have a, a, a development pathway that's intentional that will hopefully lead to some of them becoming future leaders of our churches. Yeah. And in some cases, I'm talking to pastors and they're saying, maybe this guy will take my place. And that's so exciting to hear us talk about 
intentional succession planning in the IBC. It, to me, that bodes very well for the future of our churches. Yep. Yeah. And then there are some sad situations. Uh, you talked about 35-year-old Parker. Uh, I've had a couple young IBC pastors in the last couple of weeks, and I, I've just listened to them sympathetic. They've had some hard learning lessons, uh, some real uh, strong critique come at them. And, um, you know, with this desi desire to say, what do we need to learn in this season so that this doesn't keep happening? Are these patterns in our lives that we need to change? Are they blind spots in our leadership? And that encourages me as much as what the other two examples I gave you, because I, I know in my own life, there was a point when I was around 40 that the trajectory of my life was not headed in a, an encouraging direction. And the investment of, of a guy inviting me into a group for a year changed the whole trajectory of my future. Mm. And, and we could say part of why I'm here today and doing what I'm doing. And so to recognize that God might bring me into someone's life at a, at a moment where it's crucial and it could help make the difference between them packing it in and, and heading out, getting discouraged or saying, hey, I learned a few things and they were hard, painful lessons, but boy, I don't wanna go back and do that again. And then they continue to grow in their confidence and enthusiasm and, and they're able to help then got younger guys who come behind them. Yeah. Well, one thing is for sure, it is hard to be a pastor. It, uh, is. it, is, it is a very hard job. Um, but I think the encouraging thing is, I mean, the Lord that we serve gives us the strength. And, and oftentimes that strength does come from the Lord working through people like you, uh, who are sitting us down and meeting with us for a year, <laughs> like you said, yeah. that, that, um, that the Lord knows what we need uh, as pastors and, and the support, especially in our convention, God has provided, uh, God, has, God has prepared you, which is what we've talked about earlier. And now, and if he's prepared you, that's also, you know, a gift to us because you're in that role now. And so any preparation that, that the Lord has given you is, is meant for you to use to benefit the convention. And so, you know, we, we are thankful uh, that, that you are in this role and that, that, that we have a pastor looking out for us as well. So th thank you, Tim, for joining us. Any, any parting words before we close out? Well, you just struck a, a strong note for me, and that is that whole stewardship idea. Um, you know, I don't know why or when recently it's just come clear to me that, you know, it's all about making the church the hero. We sometimes in leadership, we, we, we think it, it rises and falls on us and we feel too, to use a word that my colleague used to use, indispensable. But to recognize that God places people in local churches for a season, whether it's the leader, whether it's the people in the church, and or whether it's me as a GS of this convention, but just to recognize that all of us together are stewarding God's work. Right. He's here. He was here before us. He'll be here when we're gone. And so in the meantime, like you said, we pull together. We're here for each other. God uses us to minister 
bearing one another's burdens. So for me, I'm super excited and, and love the family that I'm a part of and uh, just, just real grateful for this. That's, I mean, the, one of the phrases I often say in my church is, you know, I need the Jesus in you just as much as you need the Jesus in me. And that, that's the beauty of this family is that we're, at the end of the day, we're just sharing Jesus with each other. And so that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, well, th that'll do it for today then. Thank you so much, Tim, for joining us on, on the podcast. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you and God bless.